I'm excited tonight because tonight we get to start a new series called Four Questions for Times Like This. In Jesus' three and a half years of ministry, he was a truth revealer. That's what he did. He came to reveal truth to the world. He had answers to questions that no one had even thought of at that time. No one was even asking. And those who interacted with him didn't realize it, but he was the answer to the questions they hadn't even thought of. Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He that would come to the Father must come through me. And here's the shocking thing. When you look over Jesus' three and a half years of earthly ministry, he did not spend his time giving out answers. His ministry rarely took on the form of Q&A. In the Gospels, Jesus asked many more questions than he answers. I did a quick research, and to be, to be more precise, Jesus asked 307 questions in the Gospels. He was asked 183 questions, and he only answered three. Rather than being the one with all the answers, Jesus is sometimes the one who asks us the questions, questions that force us to decide what we really believe and how we really feel and what we really want. Have you ever found yourself looking for an answer? Perhaps you went to a friend or a mentor or even a counselor and you had questions that needed answers. And so you went looking for uh, an answer, but instead of getting easy answers, what you got instead was tough questions, hard questions. And you left that person or that counselor thinking, man, I, I thought I was getting an answer, but really what I got was deeper questions. I don't know how many of you have been to a counselor, but if you've ever been to a counselor, you'll know what I'm talking about. For those of you who have not, spoiler alert, but they don't tell you what to do or think. People think, well, I'm having marital problems. I'm going to go to a counselor and they're going to tell me how to fix my marriage. But the reality often is, is that when you go to a counselor, they ask you questions instead of giving you answers. They don't tell you what to do or think, but they ask you leading questions. Imagine that. You're paying $100 an hour to sit down and let somebody ask you questions. But here's the truth, that the best way to find truth is often on the other side of a good question. So in this series for the next four uh, uh, midweeks, we are going to look at four questions that Jesus asked that fit where we are living today. For those that are in the storm, Jesus asked, why are you so afraid? For those that are in need of a miracle, he asked, do you believe that I can do this? For those that are facing ongoing challenges and battles, he asked, do you want to be well? And la the last week of this series, we're going to address those that carry with them spiritual doubts. And we're going to ask, why do you doubt? And so, because sometimes the best way to find truth is on the other side of these soul-piercing, life-shaking, life-changing questions. So tonight, we're going to start the series off in Mark chapter 4. In this chapter, 
of Mark, Jesus was teaching from a boat on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And the crowd is seated on the shore listening to Jesus teach. It's in this setting that he teaches the parable of the sower and some familiar passages of Scripture to us. And as the day comes to a close, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, let us go to the other side. And and so they all pile into the boat, pack up their things pull up, anchor, and they leave the crowd. Mark 4.35 says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with them in the boat just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And listen to what happens in verse 37. Jesus says, Let's go to the other side. So they all pile in and they sail away, waving goodbye to the crowd. And... A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling up. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus, don't you care that we about to die out here? Jesus, don't you see what's happening to us? We're in a storm here, and we're about to die. Don't you even care? And Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, listen to this, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith and they were filled with great fear and said one to another who then is this that even the wind and the seas obey him see here's what you need to understand is that the sea of galilee (coughs) excuse me is 680 feet below sea level it's surrounded by hills and it is common on the sea of galilee for storms to come out of nowhere And that's what happened that night on the boat with Jesus. They left the shore and everything was smooth sailing. Everything seemed great. But a storm comes out of nowhere and begins to rock the ship. I remember when we lived in Flagstaff, we literally lived on the side of a mountain. And you could step out onto the front porch or onto the back deck and you could look up into the sky and you could see the clouds begin to pile up and the storm begin to form and it would it would not be just a few short minutes later that the storm would then hammer the town and you could see as it happened in just a matter of 15 minutes a storm could build and begin to rain and and so the weather was always unpredictable it could be sunny and, and beautiful and then an hour later it could be a snowstorm Uh, That was life in Flagstaff. Unpredictable weather. Louisiana weather, however, is predictable. Because you can expect it to always do the opposite of what the weatherman predicts. Unless they say rain, because it always rains here. But Louisiana weather is a lot like that. Someone said, if you don't like Louisiana weather, wait a few minutes because uh, it'll change. But, But that was what Jesus and his disciples were dealing with. They had smooth sailing, everything is fine, but suddenly they were caught in an unexpected storm. And suddenly the winds and the waves were more than they could handle. And perhaps you can relate tonight. Everything seemed to be going great. 
Everything's fine, smooth sailing. And then suddenly you're facing marriage problems. It was all smooth sailing and then suddenly out of nowhere. You lost your job or your teenager decided to rebel. Or a long time friendship suddenly came to an end. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe it was that your kids came home from school on just another day. And then the news about COVID-19 broke. And all of a sudden school is canceled. Life has been put on hold. Everything was fine. And then the blood work came back. And the doctor's report wasn't good. You see, listen, when you are living for Jesus, storms will come. The disciples were understandably afraid. They saw the winds, they saw the waves, and they were afraid. And they went to Jesus in the back of the boat. And guess what? Jesus is asleep. He's sleeping. He's like one of those people who can sleep through anything. Waves are crashing in, and the wind and the waves are fierce and beat furiously upon them. And Jesus is asleep. Their hero was on break, taking a nap, unaffected by the storm. And they said, Master, don't you care that we are perishing? Because what they're seeing is the end of their story. They're seeing the news clippings that will come out. Jesus and his 12 disciples go missing in the Sea of Galilee. They're seeing the end of it all. They see no way through the storm. Master, don't you care that we're perishing? And so they came with a question looking for an answer. Master, don't you care? You have probably asked this question in your storm too. God, don't you care about what's happening to me? I was following you. I'm here because of you. Lord, don't you care that my family is hurting? Lord, don't you care that my body is breaking down and that I am sick? Lord, don't you care? Where are you, God? I thought you led me here. You see, Jesus wakes up and he doesn't even answer their question. He arose and rebuked the wind and the waves. He arose from his sleep and he never responds to the question. He simply rebukes the winds and the waves and says, peace, be still. And it all stopped. He never said a word. But then he asked them a question. He asked them, why are you so afraid? You see, when you live for Jesus, you will go through storms. You will face the giant of fear. There will be moments when you wonder whether even God really cares. There will be moments where your faith is tested, where you're pushed to your very limits, where you have questions down deep in your soul. And Jesus asked those who are in the storm, why are you so afraid? Because there are some things that you need to remember in the middle of the storm. And I'm going to spend the next few minutes talking to you about two things you need to remember when you're in the storm. The first thing you need to remember comes out of verse 37. Mark 4, 37 says, A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And verse 38 says, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping 
on a cushion. Here's the first thing you need to remember. Is that you are in the storm with His presence. That if God, uh, God is with you in what you're going through. Sometimes we question God and we say, you know what? If God were with me, would I really be going through all this? If God were really with me, would I really have lost my job? If God were with me, would that person really have been able to do that to me with evil intentions? If God were with me, would I really have gotten that doctor's report? But here's what you need to understand is that God is with us in the storm. Somewhere along the way, a lot of us got the idea that if God is with us, we will never face a storm. If God's really with us, we'll never face cancer. We'll never lose a loved one. Our finances will never take a hit. We will never face heartbreak or hard times if God is really with us. But hear this tonight. We need to embrace that storms are a part of our story. That being saved doesn't mean God promises us smooth sailing. Being saved means that when we hit rough waters, Jesus is in the boat with us. That whatever we face, whatever we go through, we are not alone. We are in the storm with His presence. Jacob wakes up. It was the first night that he was on the run from Esau. He had stolen the birthright and the blessing of his big brother. And because he had stolen it, Esau determined to kill him. So in one night, Jacob gained a blessing, but he lost his home. He lost his family. He lost his comfort zone. Lost his income. He, his family and everything that he had known, he loses because he steals the blessings. And he goes that first night, and he lays down. And the Bible says that he sleeps and dreams and he sees angels ascending and descending from heaven. And he wakes up in the morning and he says this. He says, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. What Jacob was saying is here I am on the run. I've made mistakes in my life. I'm in the storm. But even here, even where I've messed up, even when I've suffered loss, even when I'm all by myself, surely God is here in this place with me too. Hear me tonight. God is with you. Jesus said to his disciples, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so here tonight, this, that if you are facing marriage problems, you are not alone. If you've lost your job and don't know how you're going to make it, you're not alone. If you're exposed to someone who's sick and afraid that you have the coronavirus, you are not alone. If you are fearing financial collapse and you're worried that your business will not survive, you are not alone. You are in the storm, but his presence is with you. Jesus is in the boat. The beautiful thing about the presence of God is that his spirit can move anywhere. He can move in a prison cell. He can move in a hospital room. He can, he, he can move in an empty bank account. Somebody say praise the Lord. He can move in an empty church where there are no people. You see, God's spirit is with us right where we are. He's with us in the storm. He's with us 
in the battle. This Sunday, my wife and I sat on the front row as pastor preached a powerful, stirring, awesome, timely message. And there was nobody hardly else here, just us and the praise team and pastor. And as the service closed, my wife and I prayed together and the Holy Ghost moved in an empty church on a Sunday morning. It doesn't matter where you're at or what you're going through. It doesn't matter if you're suffering loss. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are around you or how big the waves are or how strong the wind is. I want to tell you tonight, Jesus is with us in the storm. Jesus is with us. But listen. Having Jesus in the boat does not mean that the storm is not going to rock you. It does not mean that the waves are not going to crash in or that the wind won't blow on your life. What it means is that it will not sink you because Jesus is with us in the storm. John said this, he said, neither can any pluck us out of his hand because God is with you, the storm won't seek you. It may rock you, but it will not sink you. Jesus is on the boat. And listen, that is a game changer. When you walk with Jesus and live for Jesus, it is a game changer. You know, it's interesting. Studies show that, uh, that people live longer when something is living in the house. They say that it's good for the elderly to have a pet or to have uh, somebody or something, whether it's a plant or a cat or a hamster or a dog or whatever, as long as there's something else living in the house, whether uh, whatever kind uh, of pet. I wouldn't recommend a cat personally. But uh, they live longer because they're not alone. And it's amazing. It's amazing that life can be extended because of the presence of some other thing that is alive. Listen, when you come through this storm that you're going through, people are going to ask you, how, how did you get through this? How did you guys make it through? How did your family come out better? How did your faith come out stronger? How did you survive the storm that came upon your business and your home? And here's what you can say, is you're going to say, I was able to survive it because I was not alone. I'm not doing this by myself. Someone was with me. And in the middle of my storm, I could see his strength. In the middle of my storm, I could perceive his grace. In the middle of the storm, I experienced his power and his presence. And because Jesus is with me, the storm won't sink me. I love Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in time of trouble. What you need to do is you need to take that verse and personalize it. And throughout this time of your storm, you need to pray, God is my refuge and my strength and my ever-present help in the time of trouble. Hebrews 13, 5 says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And you need to personalize that, that he will never leave me. As bad as it gets, if I'm sitting alone in a hospital room right now, that as bad as it gets, as alone as I feel, he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. We can quote Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God is with me. And you need to remember tonight that you are in the storm with his presence. God is with you. The second thing you need to remember 
is that you are in the storm for His purposes. Jesus was the one who said, let's go to the other side. And listen, when Jesus calls us and Jesus leads us, it's often into a storm. It's often into difficulties where we will see the hand and the purpose of God. You see, what the disciples didn't know is that on the other side of that sea, there was a man who lived in the tombs just off the shore. The demoniac of Gadara was cutting himself and he was bound by a legion of spirits that lived inside of him. And Jesus knew what was happening on the other side of the sea. He knew that there was a man who needed salvation and that if he would just cross the Sea of Galilee, that he would find someone in need and he would be able to set him free. And so the trip was all Jesus' idea. Going into the storm was a part of the plan. And they didn't experience the storm because they were out of God's will. They experienced the storm because they were in God's will. And so you're, you're saying, are you, are you saying that God caused my storm? Maybe he did. Maybe he did. And I can't tell you whether God planned what you're going through or whether circumstances or humanity caused it. I, I can't tell you if God caused it or if God just allowed it. But listen to this. Here's what I can tell you is that God always uses it. I don't know whether he caused it, whether he allowed it, but I know he always uses it. Listen to what James said in James chapter 1, verse 2. He said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James said we can consider it joy, even in the storm, even in the trial, even in the fire, because God is using it to, that the testing of our faith will produce perseverance. And when per perseverance is finished, that we will be made complete and made whole. You see, there, there are some things that we need to learn that maybe we couldn't learn any other way. Even as the New Testament church and as the modern church, maybe there's some things that God wants to do in the church in the end time that there was no other way for us to be ready for but by going through this shutdown phase. Maybe there's some things in your family that needed to be fixed and repaired, relationships and priorities that needed to be made straight. And, and whether God caused it or God allowed it, this is an opportunity for God to use what you're going through to bring you closer and to bring you out better than you went in. You see, uh, it was about a decade ago, a little bit more, that my mom passed away of cancer. And I can't tell you whether God caused it or God allowed it. I don't know. I don't have those answers. But I know this, that he has used it. He used it to build my faith and to confront issues of faith in my own life. He used it to help me minister to other people going through the same things and suffering unimaginable loss. Did he cause it? Did he allow it? I don't know. But I know this, that when it's all said and done, God uses those things. He uses the storms to display his grace, his mercy, his power, and his goodness. Joseph looked at his brothers and he said this, he says, you meant it to me for evil, 
But God meant it to me for good. All of the ups and downs of his life, all the struggles, all the betrayal, all the false accusations, all this, the being forgotten, all the stuff that he went through. He said, you meant it for evil. But he said, God used it for our good to save many alive. The disciples didn't understand why Jesus led them into the storm. But there's some good, some powerful revelation that would come out of it. And sometimes we want God to stop the storm from happening. But it's his purpose to bring us to it and to bring us through it. He always uses it. Because all things, all things work together for the good of them that love him. Romans 8 tells us all things work together. Listen, alone some events are painful. Some events make us fearful. And by themselves they seem too difficult to come through. But what God does is he takes those that alone would destroy us. And he weaves them in with his purpose. And he ends up bringing us out better, stronger, with more faith, with greater revelation, with greater confidence, with a more powerful ministry, with a deeper prayer life. Does he cause it? I don't know. But I know that he uses the storm and we are in the storm for his purpose. Because God's purpose is not to protect you from pain. His purpose is not to stop every storm in life, but you are in the storm with His presence and you are in the storm for His purpose. Look at what changes for the disciples in the storm. When it started, they went to Jesus and they said, Teacher, we are going to drown. Teacher, we're going to perish in these waters. And the Bible says that when they came to Him, they called Him Teacher. And then He gets up and He rebukes the winds and the waves and He says, Peace! Be still and everything goes calm. Wind dies and everything goes calm and the storm is gone. And look at what the disciples say. They were terrified and they asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? The fear of the storm was replaced by the fear of the Lord. They started in the storm seeing him as teacher, but they came out understanding that he's much more than just a teacher, that he is Lord even over the wind and the waves, that he is God even in my worst moments, even in my greatest despair, even when I think that it's all but finished, he's still God and he is Lord of my life. I come to a close and I just want to talk for a moment about last week. Last week, a storm uh, actually, multiple storms hit our city. And usually we're not the, the super cautious type. My wife is a little bit more cautious than I am. But I've heard alarms go off and all these things uh, and alerts before. And I've never gone into a closet. But last week, for the first time, our family gathered up after about five or six alerts on our phone. And we looked outside and the wind was blowing and the rain was moving sideways. And we decided, let's go get in the closet. And so we went into the closet, and uh, what we didn't know, we didn't know was that at that time, there were two tornadoes within a mile of our house, two tornadoes surrounding us, and it could have well just taken a slight turn and come right to where we were. I want to say this, it didn't feel like at the moment that God was just right there in the closet with us. I got to be honest. 
We were looking at the weather reports, trying to pull up phones. The power went out. We were, we were looking and trying to peek out to see what was happening outside, but stay safe inside. And, and I got to admit, as a parent, I thought, what would happen if a tornado or a storm came down on this house with me and those I love, my wife and my kids and our dog in this closet? What would happen? I pictured walls caving in. But listen, as scary as that moment was, some of you experienced it in your own neighborhood. Some of you saw it. Some of you had property that was damaged. Some of you have jobs that were affected because of this. Understand this. God was with us even in the middle of it. And what a perfect picture of what our world is experiencing right now. Our nation has gone into the closet. We've been shut down by a pandemic. Our economy is gasping for air. Our churches are empty Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. People are losing their jobs. Businesses are on the brink of closure. Families are at each other's throats. Marriages being tested to the limit. And the winds and the storm and the waves have come to us today. It's an easy time to see the winds and the waves crashing our boat. But Jesus has a question for you tonight. Why are you so afraid? Understand, His presence is with us. His purpose will always prevail. And don't you know that you will be a better family when you come through this storm? We will be a better church when we come out of this storm. We will value the house of God so much more when we come through this storm. We will bless, be blessed with financial wisdom and better priorities with our money when we come out of the storm. We will come out with a recognition of the greatness of our God. And we will say, behold, do not even the winds and the waves obey Him. We'll come out with a recognition of who He is. So why are you so afraid? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us power and love and a sound mind. Listen, he's in the boat and we are in his plan. And so everything is gonna be all right. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in anxiety. We don't have to be afraid because our hope is not in the boat, but our soul is anchored in the Lord. He's with us and we are in his plan so we do not have to be afraid can we just pray right now I wonder if you would lay your hand on the shoulder next to a family member near you or just bow your head where you are let's pray Lord God you see the fear that has been attacking the minds and the hearts of your people and Lord tonight your spirit is asking us why are we afraid Lord help us to realize that your presence is with us that your power is present in the midst of our problems, God. That whatever it is that we're facing, whatever it is that we're going through, God, that you're with us in this storm. That you have not left us, you have not forsaken us, but you're with us. Even if it seems that you haven't changed the circumstance, God, you are with us. And we, we run to you, God. We look to you in our storm, God. We pray that your purpose is accomplished, that your will is done, and that we will come out of this better than we went in. In Jesus' name, we pray and we thank you, Lord. We give you honor tonight in Jesus' name. May God richly bless you and your family. Why are you so afraid? 
God is with us, and His presence and purpose are for us. God bless you. May the presence of God rest upon your home. Would you like, share, comment, share this so that your friends can see. People need a message of hope in this dark hour. Would you join us again Sunday morning? Connect with Kid Life and CLC students. God bless you and have a phenomenal evening.